0: Turning in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1. When I learned it as a boy, it sounded like this. Blessed is a man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of his scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. You know, uh, and it starts off with that pattern for all of the psalms. But then notice what happens in your Bible when you get to Psalm 2. Here's how Psalm 2 starts. Why are the nations so angry? Boy, does that sound like uh, listening to the news these days? Why do these people hate each other so much and just give their lives to wanting to destroy each other? Uh, why do they, they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against the anointed one. We're, we're just in the second chapter, and we're already uh, reading about trouble in the world. It's not new. It's been around uh, forever. You remember uh, Adam and Eve had some kids. Cain and Abel, you remember them? Uh, would you say they got along real well? No. You know, one killed the other. I mean, it, it's been tension in this world all of time. And I'd like to address that a little bit today by talking about uh, what, what do we do when troubles come? I'd point out a couple of things in the title. It is not trouble, it's troubles, plural because it will be more than one and more than once in your life that that will come, and it will come. And uh, as we grieve this loss that's been spoken of, um, we remember the Bible says, weep with those who weep, and we do. And I hope that you'll reach out to to that family in, in loving and kind ways, please. Martin Buber, the Jewish rabbi, describes uh, biblical faith as dialogical. That is, God is in constant communication with his people and they with him. Uh, The next psalm in order is Psalm 3 and psalm 3 starts off this way and i'd like you to read we're going to read through these verses together there's just four slides but would you just join me in in reading it together and i would ask you uh with respect for god's word that we stand as we read these words together they'll be on the screen just read them off the screen please you'll see first of all the ascription at the beginning this is a psalm of david regarding the time uh when David fled from his son Absalom. Late in his life, you remember this, when his own son tried to take the kingdom away from him, and his own son got his two best friends to stand against his father, and his own son was trying to kill his dad. Uh, and these are the words he writes to God. Let's read it starting in verse 1. Oh Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me, So many are saying, God will never rescue him. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me, on every side. Arise, O Lord. Rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. Thank you. You may be seated. What a day it is we live in today. I was Involved on Friday and Saturday, our, our group of churches converge. We have 175 missionaries around the world, and we all gathered together with people in the States for 24 hours of prayer. And it was broken up into one hour segments, and I was involved in four of those segments. And uh, as we were praying for what God was doing, and you know what was interesting? Every hour, uh, right from the first hour where the prayer time was for Israel every hour was uh, problems in different countries problems in africa people fighting and killing all over the world uh, central america just problems uh, everywhere just seemed to be on the rise and And even a a man like David, who we're told in the Scripture, was a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't you think he'd be exempt from trouble? And he has constant problems. Has problems with his own sin. Has problems with being faithful in his marriage. He has problems with his kids. One of his kids kills another one of his kids. You know, and that makes Absalom hate his father so much uh, because of what happened to his sister Tamar. And there's just tragedy after tragedy that goes on in life. Much of it created by us. Let's be honest; we create a lot of our own pain and grief. But uh, we come to Psalm 4 today, and it starts off with these words for the choir director, Psalm of David, to be accompanied by stringed instruments. Literally, uh, by the giddeth, what we would call a guitar. So this was a psalm. Remind you that these are all songs song lyrics we're looking at in the book of psalms and th- this particular song was made to be played on a guitar and uh we honored that we had some guitars today didn't we think we're okay uh, answer me when i call to you O god who declares me innocent free me from my troubles have mercy on me and hear my prayer I'm going to take a look at that um, in the different ways he begins. And the first you'll see is, God, answer me, please. Let's be honest with each other. There are times in life where we call out to God in prayer, and it just doesn't seem like the answer is coming quite quick enough. I remember uh, in Daniel's life when he called out to God in prayer and and uh it seemed like god wasn't answering and then you know the archangel comes to him and says no god sent me god sent me to you the minute you prayed but along the way uh, the demonic forces the angels uh, fought me to try to slow up the time that i could get here all kinds of things are at work that we don't fully understand in this process, but sometimes we just don't feel like it. I grew up in a, a home. I grew up in Arlington Heights, Illinois, a northwest suburb of Chicago, and when I grew up, when I was about 10 years old, my, uh, my, I had two younger sisters. We're very close in age. Right now, uh, at, you know, we're at a time like where I'm 72, and my sisters are 71 and 70, uh, and uh, uh, we... Uh, grew up together and had a, a great home and then my my uh, youngest sister got rheumatic fever and for the next uh four years we spent as a family going to sterling illinois to a mail clinic to all kinds of places to try to get help for my youngest sister because she had this problem in her heart uh after she got over that, four years later, and became functional, was allowed to go back to school for the first time, my other sister got it. And we had four more years of rheumatic fever in our house. I, I was not a typical kid because I was never allowed to bring anybody into our home because our home was always under quarantine. COVID felt like familiar life to me because for, you know, for eight years of my life, our house was closed. And friends, my dad was a pastor. My mother uh, was a devoted Christian woman. You don't think we prayed and begged God and pleaded with God and saw doctors after doctors. And I would see in the mail different days, uh, things coming in from loan companies where my father was borrowing money to take care of my sisters and their medical need. You don't think we wondered why God wasn't stepping in in a dramatic way in doing something. And I don't know why, and someday I'll find out, but God does what God wants to do. Have you figured that out yet? And he has a plan, and he has a purpose for it. And I'm sure, you know, I've been a pastor 51 years now. I'm sure a lot of the compassion in my heart was driven because of what I lived through in my life. Right after that, my parents started to have heart problems. My dad went in to have a stress test. He had a heart attack during the stress test. You know, uh, my mother uh, had heart problems. I don't even know how many heart attacks she had. But one night, I'm home alone with my sisters, and my mother's in bed. She's not feeling well. And all of a sudden, she calls out for me, and she's having terrible pain in her chest and problems. And I'm just a a kid uh, in junior high school. I don't know what to do. And so I run next door to my Irish neighbor, Kitty Makut, Right out my back Christmas, uh, I'm back uh, door of the house it was probably only about twelve steps to her back door, and I said, "Kitty, Kitty, your Mom's having a heart attack. I don't know what to do." We didn't have nine one one in those days, if some of you can remember way back then. Thank God for nine one one, by the way. Kitty, being a good Irish Catholic, seven o'clock mass every morning of her life, brought over a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> And she started pouring that down my mother's throat. And I'm not advocating you try this, but it worked. (laughs) It kind of worked, and it shocked her. I don't think my mother had ever had a whiskey. (laughs) It kind of did something, and then all of a sudden, you know, she was feeling better, so... Uh, Again, I am not endorsing, be clear with the deacons, I'm not endorsing this in any way, shape, or form. Ray, don't come after me. But uh, God, just answer me, will you? This is our humanity. He says, uh, God, you're the one who declares me innocent. All these accusations people were making against him. Free me from my troubles. God, just stop it. Just put an end to it. It's always darkest before the dawn. Bring the dawn. Bring the morning. Bring the end. I'm with you, God. Are you, you understand what, that I'm on your team, God. And have mercy on me. Yeah, you know, maybe there's a way. Maybe there's a reason why God's reacting the way he is. Again, I said it before, I'll say it again. The lady goes to the photographer, and uh, he says, uh, well, I'm going to try to take some good pictures of you. And she says, I, I hope they're really good. She says, I'm going to try to do you justice. She says, I don't want justice. I want mercy. <laughs> you know? Uh, you remember those glamour shots, you know, that were so big a couple of years? I want mercy. I want you to make me look beautiful and better and mercy i when i pray to god sometimes i just pray a simple prayer and i just say god in your wrath in your righteous anger against sin and on my failure and on my humanity at times and the things i've done that i own up to god in your wrath remember mercy our principles of law are based on the bible and in the bible those principles of law are developed off of a concept of justice and mercy for example a man has a store, and the store is repeatedly robbed. And he uh, sits there with a gun one night, and someone breaks into his store. He tells them to leave. They won't leave. They come at him, and he shoots the person, and he kills the robber. In, In biblical law, that man would be brought up on charges of murder because he killed another human being but then the justice would come in, the mercy would come in by saying that there was a circumstance though that someone was trying to rob him and threatening his life and so it was self-defense so he would not be sent to prison. Justice and mercy are the two things. And it's the same way with God. When you sin against God, when you, when you do things in, improperly, there is God's justice that comes into play. And there are times we just need to ask God for his grace and his mercy. And he calls out for that here, have mercy on me. And hear my prayer. One of the oldest prayers in the church for thousands of years was just quite simply this. And I'd like you to repeat it with me in just a moment. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Can you pray that with me? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. One more time. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. There are sometimes you don't have time for a, a long prayer, but that'll do in a lot of situations in your life. He says, God, just hear my prayer. Here's an interesting story. I was stranded in Chicago. All the airplanes had been grounded by the uh, eruption of a Icelandic v- volcano. Remember that a few years ago. And I couldn't get home to England. I asked God how He wanted me to use this interruption. I found myself thinking about a particular friend who lived 150 miles away in Madison, Wisconsin. Hey, I'm in Chicago. I emailed. Can I uh, crash on your couch? I didn't know Joe had just received terrible news, nor that uh, his worried wife had asked him this question, what, who do you wish for you had on your couch right now? Those were her exact words. Nor that he had replied, I wish Pete was here. I wish Pete was on my couch. I know that's crazy because he's in England. He's never been to our home. Malachi 3.16 says, Those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. Sometimes God listens to our casual conversations and receives them as prayers. Within hours of Joe's throwaway line, I had materialized on his couch. Sometimes this artificial intelligence gets scary. It's like... You know, my wife has been talking about we need to get a dining room table. We left ours in California when we moved, and now we got to get a dining room table. And they got one on sale at Costco for $500 off, and let's get a dining room table. And can you guess what we got in the email the next day from about three other places? Offers on dining room tables. I'm like, we were just talking together in our house. But it's like, uh, it's scary how much people can actually hear about stuff. And I think, yeah, but on the positive, that God's that way. God gets it all too. He can hear everything, right? And that sometimes as she was saying, who do you want on your couch? I'd love Pete to be here. And God heard the prayer, and the answer was on the way. It's amazing how he does his work sometimes. Text goes on. How long will you you people ruin my reputation? How long will you make groundless accusations? How long will you continue with your lies? It's bad enough in life that you have non-Christian people and the devil and others to contend with in life. But I'll tell you what's even more painful is when the Christians mess up. I've told several pastor friends over my lifetime, well, you haven't really been screwed over until you've been screwed over by Christians. Because I tell you, I know an awful lot of pastors who have been attacked uh, for maybe a good reason, maybe not a good reason. But why is it that we always shoot our wounded? Why is it we come after the people who have served well, but maybe make a mistake? And where is God's grace as it's lived out in his people? And here, David, such a great life, You know, we've got 100 pages in the Bible about David. We know more about David's life than any— we know more about David's life than we do about Jesus' life. We have him all the way from the time he's a boy till the time he died in the Bible. And he he says, people are trashing my reputation. They have groundless accusations. Next verse, you can be sure of this. The Lord set apart the godly for himself. He says, I know, God, that I'm yours. I know that you're going to answer when I call to you. Derek Kidner writes uh, in his commentary, God's choice of a person, not merely for office or honor, but for fellowship and relationship, is the ultimate answer to the most wounding of uh, aspirations and discouragements. In other words, sometimes when people are on your back, whether it's true or whether it's false, all you know is you're being accused and your reputation is being trashed. You have to know it's not true and you know it's not true and God knows it's not true. There are some things in your life that people have done to you and you're just going to have to leave it for Judgment Day and God will deal with it. Billy Graham said years ago, no one is ever going to be able to point their finger at God in heaven and say, you you weren't fair with me. You weren't right. When the whole tale is told, everything will be dealt with. And we just have to hold on to that some days. Uh, you can be sure of that, he says. The Lord is going to answer when you call. Verse 4, don't sin by letting anger control you. What's the great risk here? False accusation, innuendo, whatever. Whatever. Don't don't sin, don't let anger control you. Robert Plutchik, professor emeritus of the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, has said there are eight basic emotions: joy, trust, fear, surprise, sadness, disgust, anger, and anticipation. According to a new study by the American Automobile Association for Traffic Safety, nearly 80% of U.S. drivers expressed significant anger, aggression, or road rage behind the wheel at least once in the past year. According to the Gallup poll, 22% of Americans felt anger the previous day. One out of four, one out of five people, anger in the car, anger in the day we got an anger problem. And we've got to be honest about that, but how do we deal with it? And I love Psalm 4 because it gives us some tips. It says, uh, the first thing is, verse uh, 4, don't sin by letting anger control you, but think about it overnight. Uh, think about it overnight. Now, I know the Bible says, uh, don't let the sun go down in your anger, but uh, I think we've got to put that together with this to get the whole picture And it says, when you're really angry about something, don't send the email, don't make the phone call, don't write the letter, or you will say the most beautiful words that you will regret the rest of your life. Don't respond. Let sleep on it. Let God work in your mind. Let God work in your heart overnight. Just calm down a little bit when you're angry. And then the second thing is remain silent. It's funny because uh, I was preaching on this text years ago, and little did I know as I was preparing the sermon that something was going to happen on Friday, which would make this very applicable to me for preaching it on Sunday. Because something happened, and I was so stinking mad. I was, you know, I, I would spit and the trees would die. I mean, it was just terrible. And I had to go back to this psalm, and it was so helpful for me, and just said, you know what, just think about it all you want but don't do anything today and number two keep your stinking mouth shut that's that's god's advice isn't it i mean didn't god like god put this in the bible i think he likes this kind of thinking it's interesting uh, brendan manning uh well we'll get to that uh, the next verse uh, Offer sacrifices in the right spirit trust in the Lord. You remember it says, if you have hatred towards your your brother and you come to worship God, don't you come worship God. You go make it right with your brother and then come and offer your sacrifice. Offer your sacrifices in the right spirit um, and do it the right way. Again, now Brennan Manning. To ascertain whether you really are with the Lord, recall uh, what saddened you the past month. Was it the realization that you do not love Jesus enough? That you did not seek his face in prayer often enough? That you did not care for his people enough? Or did you get depressed over a lack of respect, criticism from an authority figure, your finances, a lack of friends, fears about the future, or your bulging waistline? Take a look at yourself, he says before you go and offer your sacrifices to God. But then finally, he says again at the end of that verse, and trust the Lord, trust God. Remind you of what Ephesians 4 says. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So what is the risk? Anger lets the devil get his foot in the door. I had a man do something awful to me 30 years ago. And after about six months, he called me up and he asked me to forgive him. And it took everything I had to tell him that I would forgive him because I understand from the scripture that if I don't forgive him, I am not a Christian because Christians who have been forgiven so much must forgive those who have done things against us. And listen, I know some of you are where I was I know some of you have been done bad by people that you love, respect, Christian or not Christian, whatever. And the hardest thing in the world is just to forgive them, especially in some cases when they're dead already and you can't deal with it. Or when whatever they did to you, uh, they're never going to say they're sorry. And you just have to forgive them even though they don't ask for it. Don't let the devil get his foot in the door, but instead, Philippians 4, 7, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard, will guard, will protect, shield your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Some things you can never make it right in this world. You just have to trust that God has it. And you just have to, you know, forgive him and move on. Because uh, the anger, who is, you, you know the answer to this. Who is that anger hurting more? You or that other person? Who is it hurting more? You. You know it's hurting you more. You know it's affecting you more. And if you don't let go of it, it's going to hold you back forever. Forgive and move on. And thank God for the way he loves and forgives you. Coming to the end of our psalm now, and we look here at freedom from anxiety, verse 6. Many people say, who will show us better times? Boy, uh, how much are you paying for groceries lately? Uh, What are you noticing about the cost of just about everything? Oh, God, you know, we could sure use some better times. Politicians promise the moon. They just can never deliver. $33 trillion in debt as a country. We can't even afford to pay the interest on that. Uh, Congress fighting three weeks just to get a Speaker of the House elected. It's just issue after issue, problem after problem. Oh, God, here's what we need. Would you smile on us, God? Would would you bless us? Not not because we deserve it. Yeah, but we put in God we trust on our money. Okay, then let's live like we do trust him. And let's trust him that he's going to get involved and let's go to him in prayer. Sometimes I get so mad at the politicians, the last thing I think of is to pray for them. I was moved. Many of you saw the pictures of the new Speaker of the House And one of his first acts was kneeling at the front of that auditorium and having christian brothers in the house come around him and pray over him i was moved by that makes me think maybe there's hope for us yet and we got to be praying for these people who just can't seem to get their head together you have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvest of grain and new wine uh, my sister lives on a farm in Odebolt, Iowa, northwest Iowa, and uh, she's very happy this time of year because the harvest is coming in, and when the farmers get the harvest in, whether it's good year or bad year, now they get paid. I used to wonder when I was a youth pastor out there, uh, why are some of these people so, uh, so concerned, so worried, so negative, and and a friend said, well, if you only got paid once a year, you'd probably be a little that way too. But no day is happier than that thing He says, you know what, God? I've got greater joy with you because, than they have. And as C.S. Lewis wrote, we will never know joy by seeking it. Joy comes as a side effect of the presence of the living God. Did you sleep well last night? Just curious. Anybody have a little trouble falling asleep last night? Just curious. Yeah? I got my hand up. Anybody else? No? Thank you. I see that. <laughs> uh, in peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O oh, oh, oh God, will keep me safe. What do you give a man who has everything? A security system because he's scared to death somebody's going to break in and take it. There are so many people who are smarter than you and me. There are so many people who are devising a a new way, a new email scheme today, a new scamming, a new phishing attack on how they can get my money, your money. There there are people who come to the, the devil and his demons who are so much faster and smarter than we are. It's a constant battle in life. So where do you come to rest? God, I'm going to go to bed now. I've, I've worried about everything in the world all day. And you never sleep. You never slumber. You never even take a nap. So now I'm going to ask you just to take care of everything else while I go to sleep now. And I'm just going to trust you to take care of it. My family, my business things that matter to me in life it's all in your hands God let's pray for that right now the peace of God which passes all understanding which keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus ask God for his mercy ask God for his peace ask God for his forgiveness and ask God to bring back the joy of your salvation. Let's stand together. And pray the prayer we prayed together earlier, ready? God, be merciful to me a sinner. Again, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Father, in your love and grace, cleanse us, heal us. In this fearful world where every day it seems that there are dire headlines and so many things to be concerned about, we thank you that you've got it all in your hands. Give us the ability to trust you even when we don't understand. And in the situations in our life where we've had struggles, give us the courage to deal with what needs to be dealt with. We may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of God's Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Amen.